0: You are listening to Overcomer's Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Before I get into my message, I want to I want to say something, and I've said this, uh, kind of said this before, and I'm going to say it again because I think it's important. Uh, Something that you should know about me is just part of how God's wired me and how He's gifted me is I'm I'm a plower. <laughs> I like to I love to plant and to see things grow. I like to I like to build things. And I'm talking spiritually, right? Um, but I'm also I'm also a plower. And I, and I, the reason I've found that to be important is because when you especially when you're coming into a new season and there's new things that God wants to have, then you have to realize that sometimes some plowing is necessary to be able to plant the seed to see the increase or the harvest that God wants to have. And so there is a, you know, there's there's certain anointings that are geared to really plow and then raise up things that God says that he wants raised up. And so it's important to know that about me. I'm I'm not a, um, I'm not the kind of person that's looking for, um, you know, let's have a, have a, I I don't know how to say this without sounding uh, mean, but I'm just going to say it. I'm not the kind of, pastor that's looking to give a nicey nice sermon that everyone goes home and goes well that was just my goal in being here my commission from God in being here is to have a move of the spirit that is sustainable that causes an effect to every home that's tied to this church and eventually we just spiritually speaking have influence in every area in this town in this community in this region it's actually what you'd call to be like an apostolic anointing and so Paul operates in that, and so he would go into regions, and he would he would uh, uh, evangelize and minister and have influence and shake things up and come in and plant and build what God had for him to plant and build. But before you can establish things, sometimes you have to go in and get the groundwork ready for things. Does that make sense? So sometimes, if it ever feels like I, I actually am a very loving, nice, nice guy. If you don't believe me, just ask Liz. She'll tell you that I'm just one of the nicest guys that she'll ever... Kingston says no. Um, Anyways, I think you shook your head no, son. But anyways, um, I'm just kidding. But, uh, But spiritually, I understand that you have to put your hands to the plow, to get things done the way that God wants them to get done, does that make does that make sense? And so if you ever feel like this, whoa, he's really that's just how God's wired me spiritually. and I used to um, fight that. I used to apologize now I just go with it. but I do my best to try to have a relaxed intensity and also to have people help me understand what what I'm what I'm after. Because the Lord is interesting, and in the vision statement that of our church is building, the first part of it is building strong people. And I want to to have a church and have a people that are strong and get stronger and build their spiritual muscles and their spiritual stamina more and greater and stronger to withstand any of the things that would come against them in this hour. Amen. And also to just be able to move forward and to reproduce in their own life and their own family and their own whatever. God's called us to do that. That's the kind of people we are called. That is a New Testament people. And you've probably heard some of these things and I've heard people kind of, you know, uh uh mock it over the years because they don't understand it. But for there's been several for several years there's been prophecies that have talked about a, an apostolic reformation taking place, and I think that there's been some really weird things that people have, have done, but the idea of an apostolic reformation is to where the church first gets reformed to function properly like God designed it to, and I would say by and large did in the first 100 years. But since then, the church has not really functioned on the level that it's supposed to. And I'm not saying that I have it all. I certainly do not. I believe in all fivefold ministry gifts. I believe in all of the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in all of the practical or functional gifts that are listed. I believe in all of the gifts that can be there and all of the variances in the body of Christ. We need all of that. But definitely what we need is to go back and have things reformed to be like it was in, in the early church if you will. When the when the day of Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit was poured out, there were things that happened then and happened for a, a period of time that we haven't seen those things. And the Bible tells me that the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former. And what that means is that the early church was greater than and the new covenant and the early church was greater than the old covenant. But it also means there's this thing called the, the I think I'm saying it right, it's the, the law of double reference. And whenever you read a prophecy in the Old Testament, there will be a fulfillment of that prophecy, but that prophecy is also true for a later time. And so when you see the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former, the new covenant that came through Jesus was greater than the old covenant, which had a measure of glory. But the glory that came from Jesus is greater. But the glory that was in the beginning of the New Testament church had a measure of glory, but the glory that is in the New Testament in time church has a greater measure of glory than that that was at the beginning of the New Testament church. Did I say that to where it made sense? So we're coming into days where we're gonna see greater measure of glory, not lesser, but greater, beyond anything the church has ever seen before. I believe that with everything every fiber of my being. And with my dying breath, if I don't see it when I'm old and it happens beyond my years... With my dying breath, I will still proclaim that to be the truth because I believe it with every single thing in me. There is a glory through the church that I believe has yet to be seen or yet to be revealed that will cause the greatest awakening to happen in the earth. So the church first needs to be reformed, and then the rest of the world can be reformed, or the rest of our country can be reformed. And I know that the days are growing darker, and you can read in Revelation, you can read in Matthew chapter 24, and there are things that Jesus prophesied and the apostle John prophesied about things that are gonna happen. There's some wicked stuff that's coming on the earth, but I can tell you at the same time, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former, and we will see tremendous revival and awakening in our days. Are you ready for it? Because I am ready for it and I'm excited about it. But we have to be willing for the Lord to break us out of where we have been and bring us into the thing that he has. And sometimes that is, in fact, all of the time that is required of the Holy Spirit and some of the gifts and some of the offices and some of the people to be allowed to plow and to move things and to cause us to shake could be physically, but I don't mean that, but to be able to shake those things out of the way so that we can receive the new that God has. Does that make sense? See, that the, the the principles, the truths that are in the word, the gospel, it's timeless. It's timeless. But the moves of the Spirit bring a freshness to the people of God during the time and season that we're in. There is a freshness and a newness that God has for us, but we have to be willing to embrace it and always what comes before you see the the manifestation or the crop ready to harvest if you will is there's a planting and before the planting there is a plowing there's a preparing of the ground and i believe that we're we're in a time and i think that we can always be preparing the ground i'm not saying that that you come to an end i think you're always preparing the ground you're always preparing your heart I'm going to get into some more of that in in another week, but we're always doing that. But we definitely, as a church, as a whole, are at a time when we have to get our ground ready to receive the more of what God has, to receive the seed of the word of God. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you tonight about, it's a continuation of where I I was and have been the last couple of weeks, which is really just about being a, a knowing people and the people that have revelation and people that have the curtains drawn back to where we see. We know the times and seasons and we know the things that are going on in the spirit. Because there is a spiritual realm that is so far beyond anything that we can see, taste, hear, smell, or feel. That goes beyond just the natural five senses. And God has not called us to be limited to the the natural realm. He's called us to be people of the spirit. Not people of the flesh, right, but people of the Spirit. And I think a lot of times what we do is we get an idea of, like, say, you know, of what it means to be in the Spirit, and we'll fill in the blanks, and but we really don't have any idea of what the Lord's saying when he says that. I know I've done that with a lot of things in the Word. I'll, I'll read it, and I'll think it means one thing, and then, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, I'll read it, and I'll see it for what it really is, and I'll be like, that's not what it meant at all. And I know for, for a lot of people, being in the spirit, well, that just might mean that you're, you're reading your Bible, which is spiritual. It, it could just mean that you're just praying and thanking God, which that's spiritual too. But there is a involved in those things and beyond those things, there's a revealing that God wants his church, his people to operate in. Because if we are blinded to how the spirit is moving, then we too could be sucked in to the spirit of the age and just do things like everybody else is doing and not really run with the heart of God. I don't know about you, but I wanna, I wanna run. I don't wanna just see, even see or taste the heart of God. I wanna know it, see it, taste it, believe it, and run with it. I wanna do everything that's in God's heart for me and for you. I want that, and I wanna run with it. But you know, God is a spirit. He's not a natural person. He is a spirit. You cannot discern the Lord with your natural senses. You cannot discern him just with your natural mind. Now, you can come into understanding in your natural mind, but it does not start there. It starts with connecting with the Lord spiritually because he is a spirit. And when we connect with the Lord, it is spirit to spirit. And we have to learn how to draw The things that are in the spirit, out of the spirit, so it's actually beneficial to us. And we are a people that are a knowing people that we know what's going on. We need to be in the know. So when someone says, how are you doing? You can say, I'm in the know. And when they say, what in the world are you talking about? You can say, I know the things of the spirit. Because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, and no man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of a man. And since the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me, He reveals those things to me. So I know the things of God because of the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Amen. That sounds like a pretty good deal. We don't have to walk around wondering what's going on in the world. We don't have to wonder what God has called us to do. Do you know that you can hear God's voice and you can find out and know his will, his plan. You can discover his giftings. You can discover all kinds of things about you and about the people around you. You know, that's where ministry in church actually gets really, really fun. Is when you get this, I and mean, I'm not getting anywhere onto my message. This is good though. It's it's when you get past to where you're not really focused on your giftings and your abilities But you start to look at other people. And because you're so full of the love of God, you don't look at the dirt that's on them. You look at the gold that's underneath of the dirt. Everybody's got dirt. Everybody's got issues. Everybody's got problems. But where it becomes fun is when the spirit of God can reveal to you the value and the preciousness and the gifting and the ability in the spirit that's in somebody else. Because prophecy is given to us. See, you can have a revealing in the Spirit, and then prophecy is there to follow up to where you speak the things positively that you see, that you know, that you hear in the Spirit. You speak those into people's lives, and what happens is they become awakened, and they have something to contend with. Because Paul said to Timothy, he said, according to the prophecies previously spoken, wage the good warfare. You're in a war. We are, we are in a war. And we need something to contend with. You know what causes me to contend more than anything else is when I take words, prophecies, things, impressions, things that God's revealed to me, and I take those things and I say, you know what? I know these things are going on out here. I know the enemy's coming against me. I know I'm being attacked from every which side. But this is what God says. This is what God says about me. You know, I've had to do that this past year even in the past month i've had to do it quite a bit but in this past year and i'll share more of my testimony in the days to come but i've had to overcome some some uh, rejection and fear of rejection kind of issues i've had a lot to overcome with that in my life and this past year i have had i'll just multiple people but two ministers that nobody in here would know and nobody in perryville would know but well some would but anyways Nobody knows who it is because I I would never say who it is. But two different ministers, for nothing that I did, at least not to my knowledge, hardcore rejected me. I'm talking like one of them flat out completely blocked me from Facebook. We're talking about somebody that, that I had some communion with and talked with and fellowshiped with, flat out just completely. Now I don't care about being Facebook friends with people and they block me, I don't get into all that, the whatever. But when you know somebody in real life and then they cut you off from their Facebook page because they don't wanna see your stuff and they don't want you seeing their stuff, there's something going on there. And there, there was no reasoning, There's no explanation, there wasn't anything behind it that was given, it just happened. And then I had another person that we were supposed to meet and I reached out to them and I reached out to them, and they reached back, and then I reached out, and then all of a sudden, they just stopped communicating with me. And I tried again, and I tried it this way, and then I tried this way, and then I tried this way, and finally, I realized they flat out do not want to talk to me. Well, you know what was coming back to me during that was lies that the enemy had spoken to me years ago. Nobody likes you. Nobody wants to be around you. I mean, come on. You th- you think that ministers don't deal with things? I'm just, I'm being transparent ministers, people, they deal with stuff like this. And so I was dealing with these thoughts coming to me and I had to go and reject those thoughts and remind myself of what God said about me. As a matter of fact, this really became alive to me recently. The reason, the reason I am here on this earth, here's the deal. And I'm going to tell you the reason I'm here on this earth in just a a moment. The reason I'm here on this earth, I'll, I'll tell you in a second, Every person has a reason why they're here on this earth. Part of that reason is to fulfill the Great Commission and to live out the Great Commandment. Love God, love people, go into all the world. But there is something written in the book of your life about you that God says about you that's descriptive of who you are. You know what God said about me. And the only way I can know this is because he revealed it to me in the spirit and it's become a knowledge, a re- a revelation, a knowing to me. That's the only way I can know it. But what he said about me is that the reason I am here is to be accepted by God. Now, anybody could say, hey, I'm here to be accepted by God too. And that is true. But that was a word personally for me. That was a rhema for me that God said, son, I not only call you accepted, that is the reason you exist is to be accepted by me. And see, when God gets in your kitchen like that, (laughs) you can take those, whoever they are, that rejected you and go, "Eh, not with an attitude, because then it still shows that you got some issues. (laughs) In the flesh, I wanted to be like, well, who are you? You know, but just I went, you know, like, who, really, who are they compared to God? If God accepts me, who gives a rip if anybody else rejects me? If God accepts me. Because, see, the thing that you most struggle with is likely the thing that is working in opposition to what you are most called to. See, the enemy is in opposition 100% to the Lord. And if, the, if there's an area you have struggled with and you're thinking just in your actions, whatever it is, there's a high chance that the complete opposite is actually what God says about you. And the enemy's got you to believe a lie that you just need to reject and grab a hold of what God says about you, man. So with that word, that prophecy, prophecy is just a word from the Lord. With that prophecy, I wage the good warfare. Because the enemy came in and said, see, see, people don't like you. And it is true. Some people don't like me. I mean, I don't know who wouldn't like me, but, you know, some people just don't like me. (laughs) But who is anybody compared to God? Who is anybody compared to what God says? God thinks highly of me. God thinks highly of you. He's written things. Where's that verse at? Is it Psalm one, Psalm one thirty nine? Yeah, I'm gonna read that really quickly. I feel impressed to go there. Thank you, Lord. Let's read that real quick. Psalm one thirty nine. Have I read? I haven't read any verses that I was going to. You know, you just flow with the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you just teach, and sometimes you you try, and He just takes you somewhere else. So Psalm one thirty nine, and here it is, fourteen through eighteen. Let me read this. So powerful. Psalm so 139, and this has become really Liz, I think, got a hold of this, maybe Wendy or both of them, and it's become uh, special to our families and to our church. So this is good to, sh- to share this with you. It says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My God. You know, the biggest problem with us is we just don't believe what God says about us. That's our biggest problem. We just don't believe. We just don't believe what he says about us. Here you have an Old Testament man. He had a lesser covenant made with lesser promises. And he said, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet uh, unformed. (laughs) You talk about God being spiritual and being a person of faith. It says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. How can you see something that's not there? It's faith. God's a God of faith. And in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So what that means is that before you and I were even born, man, this is before we were even born. I would say before we're, we were even before the foundation of the world. He already knew we were going to come into existence. And he wrote all of the plans for our life. He wrote those down. He wrote all of the things about us in the book of our life. And it's all and only good. And you say, well, I've experienced some bad stuff. Well, that wasn't God. You got involved in another book at that point or something. I don't know. You know, not everything that happens in this life is God. If it was all God's plan, then why would he tell us to resist anything? Why would he give us a sword? He gave us a sword to fight with. Why? Because we have the potential of things going on and happening that is not what he has for us. But because we have the sword of the Lord and the shield of faith, we can quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, and we can cause everything to come to pass in our life that God says is supposed to come to pass in our life. That potential is there. It is there. And he wrote in the book of our life all of the good stuff and only good stuff. And how do we know that? Because the next verse says, it says, how precious also are your thoughts to me, oh God, how great is the sum of them? How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God? How great is the sum of them? Man, thank you, Jesus. We just need to stop right now and say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for thinking so highly of me. Forgive me, Lord, for not thinking highly of myself. My God. Jesus. You think highly of me. You think highly of me. Jesus, thank you. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. You ever been on a beach before? Try to count the sand on the bottom of your feet. You couldn't do it. How about the whole beach? How about the whole Sahara Desert? How about all the sand in all the world? Is the Bible true or is it not true? You, will, you and I will never exhaust the thoughts that God thinks towards us, and they are nothing but good. It says, how precious are your thoughts to me, O God. And the sum of them is greater than all of the sands and, and all of the whole world. We just need to forsake how we think and grab a hold of how God thinks. We need to have a revival in our minds. We need to have a revival of the words of the Lord. And you say, well, I don't know what he said about me. First of all, you wouldn't necessarily even have to hear anything in the spirit, which is what I was going to talk about, but now I'm not going to be able to talk about it. So it's going to have to be pushed off till next week. Well, then following week, because Ashley and Carly is going to be here the next week, but it's no fine because, I mean, it's no problem because we have plenty of time. Amen. Amen. So we're just going to do this. But if you, even if you're not here and in the spirit, which you are, you just probably don't know that you are because his sheep do hear his voice. But even if you're not distinguishing his voice, all you have to do is go to the word and see what the word says about you. Read Ephesians chapter one. It says that he has, past tense, already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He's all, it's already a done deal. He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Do you know what is included in every spiritual blessing? It's every positive thing that God has ever or could ever or will ever say about you in your life. It's every it's every bit of finances. It's it's literally the blessing that is in heaven has been given to us. Heaven has no lack financially. No lack financially. Heaven has no lack in terms of healing. Heaven has no lack in terms of anything that you could ever possibly come up with heaven has more than enough substance to take care of any need that we would have here on this earth you know the difference between people that actually see it and people that actually and people that just read it are ones that believe it and I mean really believe it I was listening to uh, brother Andrew talk about one time that he had this uh, he had been ministering on finances for a lot of years, Andrew had. And he had this man come to his Bible school that had a tremendous success in finances. And by the way, this man that had tremendous success lived in a 900 square foot home. See, God's definition of success and ours often are different. The Lord wants to bless us with things, but he's more interested in what we do with what we're blessed with than just having a bunch of stuff. Liz and I are more excited about our giving than we are the awesome property that we live in. There's nothing wrong with having a nice property. It's fine to live in something small. But the reason this guy was so successful was he, he had gotten to a point to where he was giving away 90% of his money. Now, he probably made some sacrifices to live in a 900-square-foot home, which in America is small. In other countries, is most people don't even live in ones like that. If you've never been on a, on a foreign mission trip, you should go and see how a lot of the rest of the world lives. But anyways... So he had this guy come and minister in the Bible school, and so Andrew went, and here he is, a student of the Word, a teacher of the Word, as a Bible school, and is impacting lives, has multiple schools all over the world, and he goes and he sits on the front row when this guy comes and ministers, and he got out his pen, and and you know a notepad, and he sat there to take notes, and he listened to this guy for like two hours minister on finances, and when he got done, he had not taken one note. And he said, Lord, he didn't say one thing that I don't already know. And he wasn't being arrogant. He was just saying, Lord, I I actually already know everything he said. It's already a revelation to me. Why is it working in his life and not in mine? He said, because he actually believes it. Because, see, sometimes we'll have a, a, a knowing about something, but then we don't see it and we'll be like, oh yeah, I believe that, I believe that. And we just kind of gloss over it and we don't realize there's things going on in our heart, doubt, unbelief, whatever, and there's not just a pure, simple believing like Abraham where it said he didn't consider or he considered not his own body already dead nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. So it's not about having a great faith, it's about having a pure faith to where you don't have other things that come in and dilute the simple, pure truth of the word that the Lord has given to you. And this is why Paul said, uh, it's in Romans uh, chapter 8, I believe, but he talks about being fully persuaded that the one who had promised was also able and faithful to do it. And when you are fully persuaded about something, it means that there is absolutely, positively zero room for any doubt or, or unbelief. There's no room for it. And if we would be honest, most of the things that we say we believe, in theory, we believe it. And because it's in the word, we do believe it, but it's not a a pure type of faith to where we are fully persuaded beyond any measure with zero room for doubt and unbelief. Most people, and I'm not being critical, I'm not being critical at all, I'm just being honest. Most people struggle with what they believe because we're not operating in the highest level of faith. The highest level of faith is where there is no doubt. There is no fear. There's no unbelief involved. And I'm not, be, I'm not being critical at all. I I could stand here and tell you so many testimonies that you would walk out discouraged because of how I missed it. So, but I don't want to discourage anybody, amen? I'm here to encourage you. But oftentimes, we don't see things simply because we don't, we don't believe what God says about us. And it's a fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You know what the fight is? You're not fighting with God. Some people think that they're, you know, (laughs) I've heard things like pry bar faith and things like that. Faith does not impress God. And your faith is not going to move God. But the fight of faith is about fighting to get past anything in the natural that would say what God says is not 100% absolutely positively the truth about your situation. Because I can tell you now, when you have people that call themselves men of God who outright reject you, I'm talking like I couldn't go into the details because I would never wanna uncover them. God is not in the business of uncovering sin. By the way, if I ever prophesied to you or anybody, I will never uncover anything. First of all, I don't know everything. Second of all, if I did, I would never uncover it in front of anybody, never. Prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's the reason that it's there. If I had something to tell you, I'd tell you in private. I forgot where I was going. I interrupted myself with the little pastor heart moment there. Yeah, higher level of faith, no doubt. Being fully persuaded—that's what we have to. That's we have to come to that place, we just don't allow anything to get in the way of what we believe. We don't. We don't dilute our faith. You know, Jesus when he when he spoke to the man uh, who had the the epileptic son, uh, he said. Jesus said, "All things." He said, "Can you heal my son?" And Jesus said, "All things are possible." to him that believes. And the man said one of the most telling things. He said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. A lot of times people think that if you're in faith, then you don't have any unbelief. See, it takes faith. It takes faith to even lay hands on somebody and pray for them to be healed when you can't see what's in you with your natural eyes. You can't see what's in you and you may not even feel it, it takes faith to even step up to the plate and say, in Jesus' name, be healed. That that requires a measure of faith. But you know, you can pray that way and at the same time go, oh man, last time I prayed for someone, it didn't go so well. They didn't get healed. Or, you know, I prayed for so-and-so and they ended up dying. Or whatever the situation is. You know what that is? That's unbelief. What you're doing is you're mixing faith and unbelief together and you don't get the results that you want. Sometimes people think they're like, Lord, I've, I've been praying, I've been believing, why won't you move? Because God, God doesn't move because of our great faith. He's already moved according to his great grace, and our faith is simply how we respond. So it's not like God's folding his arms going, well, you're just not believing well enough. You just aren't strong enough in your faith. I'm not going to give it to you. What kind of dad do you know that would do that? A rotten father would do that, but we have the best dad. He would never do that to his kids. But the way that the things work in the kingdom of God and in the spiritual realm is you have to put faith in what God says for it to manifest, for you to receive, for it to work in your life. And a lot of times we just have to go back and go, okay, this isn't working or I'm struggling with this. It's not what God said. It's me just purely believing what God said. And that's what I was going to say is to have two men of God that you would think like, I know that there's people in my in my life and ministry that have felt rejected by me, but I can promise you it was never intentionally. Never. I love people too much and love God and fear God too much to ever intentionally reject his people. Now, I've had to tell people, you're wrong. I've had to kick a few people out of church before that were doing weird stuff or whatever. And so they could take that as rejection. But I would never just outright say, I'm not going to have anything to do with you anymore. That's, to me, that's crazy. And to have two different men that would, they would call themselves men of God outright reject me, you don't think that that spoke to me? That spoke right to the core issue that I had to overcome in my life. And the enemy bro- brought that stuff back up instantly. I had feelings of rejection. I had feelings of worthlessness. I had feelings of who am I? All of the stuff that would be wrapped up in that. But I had to come back to this place of no, it doesn't matter what people say about me. I'm gonna fight the good fight of faith. I'm gonna contend with what God says about me. And if every person in the world rejected me, God still loves me. God cares about me. He accepts me. That's what it looks like to put faith in what God says. And you know what? I overcame it. I got manifestation in my mind and my soul really quickly. You want manifestation in your body quickly? Oh, we're just waiting on God's timing to heal. God's the day, of, the day of salvation is today. It's today. Today God wants you to be healed. Today he wants you to be well. Just come into a pure form of faith, just a pure faith, not even a form of faith, just a pure faith, you don't believe anything else and boom manifestation will happen that's how the kingdom works amen that's good news because when you realize you don't have to change god you just have to change you i mean i'm not saying it's easy but it's possible we can be a tough nut to crack but the holy ghost can help us but if you have to change god forget about it stick a fork in that turkey it ain't gonna happen it's done it's over You are not going to change God. He is the God that changes not. He has already made up his mind. And the good news is he has already made up his mind about me and you. And it's only and forever and always good stuff that he says about us. It's blessing. It's favor. It's increase. It's promise. It's good stuff and only good stuff. We just got to get to a point to where we very purely believe it. Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociparyville.com.